Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bircher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 145, What If Nature Made the Rules? Now, just quickly before I get to that, I want to invite you guys to, uh, if you if you like what I'm doing, if you enjoy listening to this show, I'm really trying to reach more people. I'm not trying to make money. I'm not trying to monetize this. I'm really li- trying to find people to network with. And if you think, if you're enjoying this and you think you know somebody who might enjoy it, please share them with it. Please share the podcast. Tell them there's a YouTube channel. Whatever you can do to get this word out. Because I truly think this is part of something bigger. And I know that when I was 18, when I was 40... Now, you know, I am looking for stuff like this, and there's so much noise in the world. It's harder and harder and harder to find it. Um, and I certainly don't want to become some sort of marketing gorilla, right? And so the only way this is going to happen through word of mouth, and I really appreciate your help in, in making that happen. So, what do I talk about here with the idea that what if nature made the rules? I've mentioned this several times in recent podcasts. It's part of this evolving idea where I, where I, 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 it has to do with evolution, evolutionary biology, about honoring our ancestors, and really about consulting nature when we are making decisions. Because I think a lot of the places that we've gone wrong in the past, if you sort of look at the, the, the path of, biological evol- of evolution in a biological sense, in a very Darwinian sense, the change from single-cell amoebas and single-cell organisms... Um, as I've spoken about in several podcasts, the switch from asexual sort of clonal cell division as reproduction to populate the planet to the add the, the, the realization or the evolution of the appearance of sexual selection, sexual reproduction as a mechanism that creates variation and diversity. You know, all of these themes build and then inherent in the theory of evolution is the idea of fitness. And so the the, the result of evolution, the things that we see, the things that are maintained and persist through time, to some degree represent positive fitness. These, these things worked, and so they're here. And other things might not have worked, and they're not here. And uh, we can at least look at the thing that, and again, this is a theory, right? This is my speculation, I guess, into this. We can look at this as sort of evidence of what works. And so what has worked? And, 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 then, and if we understand that, why would we not consult that system, right? Think about how, <laughs> how natural that system is. And, and this is what I'm talking about. There are other philosophical explanations that use the term natural law, and I'm not talking about those. I need a new term, right? To me, this is natural law. This is the natural law. It's the law of nature and sort of selection in the fossil record and evolution, that we can consult, right, uh, as if they were our ally, a guidance, a guidance, a mentor, a shaman, you know, right, a, a therapist, to sort of consult when trying to make decisions, important decisions about how humans should design their systems, right? Why would we not look at this beautiful record of success? Again, if you believe that fitness and the persistence of organisms, you know, agrees with that sort of measure of success. And why wouldn't it? Because life is, is what it's all about. And so if something lives, it must have sort of won, or at least done well. And, and, and maybe that's not true, but I think it's at least reasonable to consider that our human ancestors not only evolved in this sort of normal way, but also in a psychological way. And we had the capacity to make choices about how this happened. You know, I'm not saying 
that, but, but I guess I am saying that the humans themselves and maybe other animals themselves are participants in the selection process, right? And if that's what we're continuing to do, then I'm a little concerned about the way we're doing things now. Are we making, are we, if we can modify what is considered fit to any degree, Maybe it's a tiny degree, right? Humans are part of nature. We are not going to beat nature, do better than nature. We're not going to do better than nature. Maybe that's the, the fundamental flaw that we've thought about in the past. We don't consult nature because we think we're better than her. Um, but, if, but if we could, if we can consult nature and, and make all those assumptions and all that stuff be relevant and, dare I say, true or informative, uh, why would we not look at the systems that we design and compare them and go, well, if it worked here, maybe it'll work for us. Shouldn't we sort of try to maintain some alignment with the decisions that our ancestors have made to help us move forward? And again, what sort of, if that's possible, and what are we doing now? What are we choosing? What are we, how are we modifying fitness by our decisions? And case in point, like what was sort of what is the currency of life? And that's one of my episodes where I argue that DNA is one of the currencies of life. And arguably, energy from the sun is sort of the fuel of that life. And why would we then turn and pivot and start worshiping at the altar of money, <laughs> you know, for, for, for sort of a coarse example? Uh, and, and really what I'm talking about here are big human design systems, societal civilization systems, like government, like economies, like religions, right? Why would these things not mirror and model what happened in nature, right? As far as what we value and what's um, a necessary element you know, the, the foundations to any of those things should be a healthy relationship with the planet, right? In order to, it's sort of like we need to get together and decide, do we want to continue to evolve <laughs> in a way that uh, allows us to coexist as part of the biosphere? Or do we want to take this in a different direction that may or may not, I guess, alter our relationship with the biosphere, right? You know, I think the, what we've done, and, and, and I look back on this and I sort of, I use, there's, there's sort of monolithic moments in the past I can point to, like, when did we become, when did we start to prioritize and value violence? You know, sure, I think violence has played a role. Um, some, you know, sharks, for example, they might have like, 10 babies uh, that develop inside of, you know, some sharks lay eggs that hatch, that don't lay the eggs. Some sharks hatch their eggs in their in a uterus-like thing. And I almost have like a placenta, but not quite, right? That was sort of the missing link to uh, internal uh, gestation versus egg laying and external gestation. And sometimes, uh, uh, regularly, a shark brother will eat all of its shark brothers and sisters. And that's a terrible thing, right? That's, we don't want to, that's, we all agree, or, but that's a natural thing. So we look at it two ways. Sometimes we go, oh, it's normal for us to hate each other. Sharks eat their brothers. And other times we go, isn't that terrible that that would exist? <laughs> we got to make up our minds. Uh, and that's maybe not the best example, but certainly things like violence and bad behavior, 
uh, even rape. You know, these things are not uncommon. But again, given where we are as humans, can't we sort of do we do we have to put these things up on the altar of uh, of, of of being central and fundamental elements of a healthy society or a healthy government or a, a healthy economy, right? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I, I think the fact that those occur with some frequency uh, in in our evolutionary history does not necessarily mean that it's something that should be driving these the development of these other ideas are used as a model. And in fact, I think if we better understood our evolutionary history, we would see that these are things like alpha males and dominance and hierarchies and caste systems are examples of how societies and groupings and sort of that sort of dynamic has worked in the past. But there are also other examples. And what is the real propensity of any one of these things to be fit? Like look at something like ants, where cooperation and social behavior pretty much is probably the secret to their success. And look at the distribution of ants, both through time and space. They're freaking everywhere. There's thousands of different species, and they've been around a really long time. Can't we look at something like that and go, wait a minute, (laughs) this looks pretty fit. This social organization stuff uh, seems to work. And maybe that's a, a counterproductive example because in many ways, uh, the social insects do have inherent hierarchies that we may not want to draw from. That's not the point. But what is it about these things that make them work? You know, it comes down to sort of um, what my last episode was about. You know, it's like, are humans inherently evil or are we inherently good? And why would we continue to make choices that support evil as the, the model? And why do we keep cherry-picking examples from the evolutionary record that represent more evil things like violence or fighting or war uh, uh, and and how can we how can we sort of really ascertain the degree to which these things are prevalent dominant uh, or even meaningful throughout the evolutionary record let's look at all the other societal interactions that may be good like let's you know there's a whole section of like a general ecology textbook about Species interactions, both conspecific, so like members of your same species, or interspecific, where it's like you're dealing with other species. Those interactions are, are all fairly finite, right? There's only so two organisms, whether they're related or not, and if they're the same species, they're related to some degree, uh, interact with one another. They encounter one another. They'll have an interaction. And I don't remember what all of them are, but the most common one we tend to think about is a symbiosis, uh, something like the, a rhizome on a root where you got these two things that live together um, and they both benefit. Uh, now that uh, I guess maybe a more common um, and more negative uh, example is a parasite. Right, a parasite is an organism that lives on a host, and it, that, that organism benefits from the host, and it hurts or even kills the host. Right, that's sort, and, the, and and that's usually illustrated by like a positive and a negative sign. It's an you know, a, 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 it's an interact interaction between organisms that benefits one organism and and hurts the other one, positive and negative. So that's one example. And then, you know, what we ideally want, <laughs> I think, is in human terms, and I'm not sure why, certainly you could argue against this, is a positive-positive 
<laughs> which I think is like a symbiosis or a commensalism. I can't remember the words, uh, but you can envision all these different possible combinations, you know, plus, plus, minus, minus, plus, minus, minus, plus, and probably even more. And and why would we not, you know, choose that for our future? And And I guess it's not even about choosing it. It's just sort of like a checks and balances thing, right? If we understand that there are lots of different ways uh, humans can can influence our future and our own evolution, uh, and probably other organisms can do this too, to some degree. Um, if we believe that, and I think the argument can be made that we are doing that, why would we not, you know, want, <laughs> want to try to make the <laughs> the best choice possible? <laughs> I guess is where I'm going with this. Instead of do- of ignoring this this huge body of supporting evidence that sort of says, hey, this happened, you know, we understand a lot of this. Uh, maybe why don't we look at, at how this went uh, before we make a decision? And maybe not everybody does that, right? If I'm making a decision, if I've got a choice, if I'm thinking about what's coming up, and I, and the best examples I can come up with is parenting. So if I know my daughter's getting ready to go to college, you know, I'll, 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 I'll consult um, information like, well, what do other parents do when their kids go to college? What have other kids done when they go to college? What stories can I read about how other people have navigated this transition? What did I do? What could I have done? What did my friends do? Let's get a whole bunch of examples together and just get a general feel for what seems to fit well with what I know about my daughter or don't, you know, or, or, or what can I be aware of to sort of um, get a bunch of information together that's going to help her navigate this transition, right? Why would we not do that? One of my favorite references <laughs> is the natural law. How did nature, what would nature do? WWND, right? How did this, uh, uh, how did this, how did the transition from a one life stage to another happen in nature, Right? Let's okay. First of all, let's look at other humans. Let's look at indigenous cultures. We have a lot of history over thousands of years, and some of these cultures have been around a lot longer than sort of our Anglo-European uh, patriarchal culture, right? You know, a lot of these native indigenous cultures have been around thousands, tens of thousands of years. How did they do it? How did they navigate? You know, and so there's things like walkabouts um, or. Other sort of puberty level adolescent transformations where elders would teach important skills uh, and and take why why do we not do that you know kind of what do we do now as sort of white Americans um, forgive me I'm, and I'm not saying that as like a positive thing um, but as as privileged Americans how do we navigate college we sort of say you're going to be a doctor you're going to go to a good school you know that's the extent of it now these some of these things were the really intense, long-term, interactive um, rites of passage, you know? And then, and, then, and then let's look at primates or our next closest relatives. What do they do when their young males are starting to get sexually active or whatever, you know, that transition is, or young females are starting to get to the point where they could bear children? Is there some sort of interactions and training and learning and and help that that happens during these transition periods. And then let's not even talk about human-related hominids at all. What happens with fish? You know, when fish are, are reaching some 
uh, transitional level or like birds do what happens when birds are getting ready to leave the nest and learning how to fly is there some sort of interaction there it's those are just sort of examples right those are maybe a terrible example um, and what I'm more really concerned with and I guess the example that fuels a lot of my concern here of, of encouraging us to consult the natural world when coming to solutions is something like capitalism because capitalism and maybe other related isms around finance and and maybe government made a fatal error in designing a system whose central tenet depends on infinite growth. Because if we had consulted the natural world about infinite growth, we would have realized that it only happens with cancer (laughs) or, or, or infections and sickness and what happens at the uh, directly after infinite growth? The host dies. If an individual gets cancer, cancer does really well until the host dies, and then cancer's over. Oops. And then bacterial infection is the same way. If 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 a person has a, a nasty staph infection, those bacteria are going to do really, really, really well for a while, and then they're going to kill the host, or they're going to crash and die, and the host is going to sort of kill them, and they're going to be gone. Right? Those. Infinite growth as a thing didn't work so good in nature. And so why would we build a financial system around that tenant? We messed up. And it's not too late. I mean, it's not too late to admit we failed. And, but humans are so bad about that. We, we can't admit that we failed. Instead of admitting that we fail, we double down on it. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, I'll show you. Let's start printing. Let's let the bank start printing money. That'll you know, facilitate pseudo infinite growth and kick that can down the road. Right. And so that's why I think this is a a, a particular concern. And so I don't know what to call it or or what this consult, it's nature. That's the only way I've gotten. And, And shouldn't we be consulting nature when we make these, create these important things? Shouldn't it be a filter through which we pass you know, it's like uh, if we the the test, right? The litmus test, or does this this idea hold water? Is this going to pass the muster? Well, let's pass it through the nature filter. How's it hold up? Is it is, is this is there any precedent? Right? It's just like a lawyer. You know, it's just like basic research. It's one of the consultants. You got the encyclopedia. Of course, we don't have that anymore. We got Wikipedia. We got scientific research. We got precedent of uh, of recent history. And we've got sort of the natural precedent of how things would pan out. You know, I don't know what the question is, really. Do we say, how, how would this hold up to evolution? You know, what, what would nature do? Do we think, are there patterns out there that, that resemble this? And from, from what, what can we learn from that? I think there's really something here. There's, it's an important and critical element. And I, and I also think we probably used to do this, right? We sort of naturally, we'd sort of go, well, does that make sense? The sun rises in the morning and sets at night. Should we design a plan where we're active 24 hours a day? Hmm. No, I'm, I'm going to say no. <laughs> if we do this new thing, it's a massive deviation from everything that we understand about how the world works. Is that going to be good or bad. And and I think sometimes maybe that's the right solution. Let's um let's go so far outside the box that we come up with a whole new way. That's totally legit, right? But <laughs> it has a small probability of 
of, of working out in a world where it hasn't happened like that in the past. I guess that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't consider non-natural, dare I say, approaches. We should. You know, and maybe that's what we did with capitalism. We go, you know what? This doesn't really happen in the natural world, but it sounds really good. And if it, I think it can work. But then it, as it starts to fail, maybe we need to like admit defeat and try again. You know, let's, let's go back. And, and that's what nature would do, right? I don't think nature doubles down. I don't think she, she has the privilege of doing that. I think extinction and, and certainly death happen first. Uh, there's these built-in sort of prevention mechanisms. And I think what humans have done is we technology the crap out of it, right? When, when things are supposed to fail, we artificially prop them up with technology because we have that capacity and it's really, it gets really hard to determine after a while, like, well, (laughs) when do we call it quits? It's sort of like that idea, the, the old euphemism of throwing good money after bad. We just don't know where to, when to quit. And we really literally don't know when to quit. Uh, should we quit? Should we, should we keep going? We've already invested so much in this, you know, can we, can we just bail? I kind of think that's where we are now. We're so invested in democracy or whatever you call the, you know, the representative democracy thing that we have in the UK and and the United States. You know, we can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. We want to like make these small modifications. And and in a way, that's kind of the way nature works too sometimes, right? This gradualism. We try to, we can't really turn the battleship really quickly. And so we just start making small changes so that eventually we'll start heading in this direction. Of course, nature also works in the form of punctuated equilibrium, right? When meteors strike and uh, entire groups of animals um, are, are, are die off and make room for totally new ones. So it happens like that too. And it's tough to say what's right. Uh, but I do think having a nature sit at the table. You know, it's sort of like, I think it was Patagonia, that sort of outerwear company, um, got rid of their board of directors and sort of, or maybe they, I'm not exactly sure here, and I could research this, but uh, this is off the the cuff and improvisational. Uh, Either brought uh, one of their shareholders as Mother Nature or something like that, or trees. You know, I know some other. I've heard other companies will have trees be on their board of directors to sort of represent this position that I'm talking about. Uh, and I think, and I just think it's wise. And I think we used to do it, we stopped doing it, and it's a bad habit. And so I think we need people like evolutionary biologists, certainly much smarter than me, who who really understand these things that we can consult with, you know, representatives of indigenous cultures that can that can sit at the table and sort of help us make these decisions. You know, hey, I want to start parenting like this or I want to design a new government, you know, and, and, and here's kind of the sketch, you know, can you guys help? Can Hey, nature. Hey, tree. Hey, uh, Bushman you know, Aboriginal person, can you help me adjust, make some adjustments? And can we discuss some of these central tenets and these, uh, these, this bill of rights? Can we discuss, you know, how well, uh, this would play out in the natural world? Can you advise me uh, on these steps? That's what I'm talking about. More on that in the future and future episodes, uh, as I further develop this idea and please, you know, I, if you got references, if you got people, if you know more than me about this, let's let's talk. 
uh, yeah. I'm Chris Bercher. This has been Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom, episode 145. What if nature made the rules? What if? Thanks, guys. Take it easy.